Microphone check, one, two, what is this? The five-foot assassin with the roughneck business. I'm fly like gravity, never had a cavity. That's it. That's the next two lines. <laughs> In another six months, year, year or so's time, I will learn the next two lines until eventually... In the year 2069, I will learn all the words to Buggin' Out by A Tropical Quest. Welcome to White, White. Rappers are white. <laughs> My name is Marshall Mathers. <laughs> Fuck you, Mom. <laughs> Fuck you, Mom. <laughs> Fuck you, Mom. Middle finger. Yeah. Um, throw, your, so... throw your middle fingers up if you feel the vibe. How are you, man? What a time. I mean, I feel like this is... I'm kind of sick of asking this question now during this pandemic. It's like, how are you going? Ah, Such pithy little conversations, you know. And I think this one, this time it is important, though, given the fact that things are changing so, so, so rapidly. Like, you know, if you'd asked us by the time we were doing a Goldfinger episode what things were going to be like or... Hell, even during our From Russia with Love episode, what things were going to be like uh, at the beginning of April. I, 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 I definitely couldn't have predicted all this. This is... It's crazy. For those playing at home today, Dom's name is Wellness Centers Suck. <laughs> I was... I was Yeah, <laughs> I was going to go with... um. I, I, I thought the first thing I was like, uh, Thundershaft, is that too... <laughs> It's too. It's too much. It's still it's, not as garish. It's still not as garishly obvious as pussy galore. So you know. No. Well, <laughs> you know. With that said, we are recording this on the sixth, the seventh of April, twenty twenty. Seventh of April. On a blackman passed away overnight. So, and I can't help but feel bad because I think it may have been a direct result of all the jokes <laughs> I made about pussy galore's name. Oh. R.I.P. I didn't even see that. I can't believe. Um, of course, you're a massive. You're the you're the ba- massive Bond fan. I'm the. Uh, I think I'm. It's me Bond. and four other people who get every notification from a Bond social account just to yeah. <laughs> for four. Yeah, but pour a bit out for Honor Blackman. Um, Wasn't Roni? Did she did she died of natural causes to my knowledge? So, you know, I think it's just my. I think it's 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 my new theory that if you're in a Bond film, you are impervious to the disease yeah i mean you know although i think having just said that i think i do remember olga kurlienko from quantum of solace has it so that theory is completely (laughs) already voided yeah but she's not old is she or i I mean she's i mean you know if you're you're over 30 i think that the at risk is now i think yeah, you're still you're you're in the. I mean, I've barely left the house in the past two weeks. Um, it's a good time. Do we have any? Do we have any housekeeping? Have we got any? Have we got any competitions running? Fucking Morgan, organizing your own podcast. Yeah, my job. You run all that. You run all the hustles. I just I just yeah. edit this fucking episode. You are episodes. I'm the, I'm the little I'm the go getter. I'm the little brother. I'm the I'm the I'm the running around my my finger on the pulse of of the streets, you know, figuring out what what would be a fascinating competition to run or a, or a cool thing to discuss. But um, I'm just the podcast dad. You so, are podcast you know. dad. You're a very good podcast dad. <laughs> but yeah, with that said, I fucking I don't know. We could give away like a <laughs> take the take the screenshot. Um, have you given anyone uh, a copy of Gold uh, Goldeneye? Didn't we say I've got it? I mean, we didn't really come up with a criteria for the actual competition. Like, we didn't figure out the what they must do. 
by the time we record the GoldenEye app, which, to be honest, you know, <laughs> feels like it could happen fucking tomorrow at this rate, the way that we're cranking these out. Oh, uh, yeah. I feel like uh, we should we shall decide then. So that's a few remember, months away, Remember guess, all but... those times during the first, during season one, where we said, <laughs> oh, we'll never, we'll never do weekly. It's a pipe dream. Look at us go. It's been weekly for, for six months. And all six it- months. <laughs> You mean six weeks? Oh, six weeks. Six weeks. <laughs> the confidence just got to me. The, the Stockholm syndrome was too strong. <laughs> yeah, dude. God damn. Um, but you know, like that's that's um that we'll figure that out at the time. Uh, yeah. But yeah, look, you know, life is okay. Um, mean Girls was great. You know, I saw someone tweet recently about Mean Girls, like mm-hmm. two days after we released that episode, and I'm like. Oh my god! Like we have helped, we we uh, we put it back in we, that like, cultural contributed position. to some. Yeah, that's right. It's become part of the zeit. We've re-zeitgeisted. We've re-zeitgeisted, uh, baby. We didn't even have to wait for till October third. We just got back in there with the with the hot content, with the landmark take of of comparing it to Christopher Nolan's work with Batman. Just no one but us could have done it. Boom! And no one but us will continue to reveal new insightful aspects into pop culture. All you didn't know how connected cinema was, in fact, until you started listening to this podcast. That's and because it. we gave it back to the people, all because we went to our five dollar bin. Because cinema belongs to the people, so it's um, only fair of us to hand it back to you them. know, police, fire, ambulance, pharmacies, supermarkets. This podcast, essential services <laughs> during the lockdown, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> And that's not to belittle, and that is not to belittle the the supermarket chains. We're just saying we're all up there on that level. Yeah, we're all Me up there Morgan on that level. On that level, that's it. So, oh. what have you been up to this morning? Uh, you've been doing some university, uh, do I hear? Yeah, look, we look the the word um the, the the moniker of film student is not a is not a pretentious joke. It's a fact. I am a lame film student, and today having my creative industries entrepreneurship class for two hours. On, on the internet, on the Zoom, I've been I've been talking about I've been talking about uh, such topics you might be familiar as back end, back end. I'm very familiar with that topic, back end. Perhaps baby's got it. Perhaps baby had it. Perhaps Flug. she still got it. You know if she still got it. Um, or he. Are you wanting me to do? Are, are you wanting to? Are you, <laughs> You want me to do a shameless plug? <laughs> I mean, I was leading to it. That is genuinely what we covered in class: is uh, is, is back end and and you know secure and bags. But um, <laughs> apart from that, I found out that my tutor is a huge fan of the room, which is always a terrific thing to figure out about a person. You know, have we discussed the room much ourselves on this show? No, because uh, I've not seen it. Ah, let's go! I was hoping you would say that. This means, uh, this means, I get to have the experience of showing you the room for the. F- All right, everybody, close your eyes. Let's do a visualization exercise. It's it's funny because like the amount of the, it's it's weird that I haven't seen it because I know it's beautiful. It's beautiful that you haven't seen it. How we met was in the community of another podcast that often brought this film up. Uh, it came up in, in conversation a lot, and it's just weird that through all that, I still didn't. And now it's taken this to me for me to go. Actually, you know, maybe I should see this. The room, I everybody, see this film. everybody listening. You're not driving if you're listening to this because you're on lockdown. So just close your eyes. Uh, let's do a little visual exercise. Unless you're an ambulance, essential. Service. Unless you're in essential listening. services. You know what? If you're currently doing minor 
alteration to somebody in the back of an ambulance and this is playing through the loudspeaker, don't close your eyes. But just picture this, right? A live show. This podcast's first live show, whenever it will be, we will watch the room. And we all get to be in the in this in the same room as Morgan Roberts experiencing an incredible moment for the first time. That's a really good idea. That's it's gonna happen. We're 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 putting that out into the universe to the point where it will eventually, you know. We're split between two cities, Brisbane and Newcastle. Whichever one shows us more love first will host the first live show. Well, we're getting so much love from America actually right now. Like it's, it's like, <laughs> I mean, hey, just- if if the price we should just is, split the difference and fly to Indiana. If the price is right, <laughs> yo, whichever whichever one of our whichever rapper is listening to this, fly us out to your state, whichever one it is. If you're from Detroit, we'll go there. If you're from, uh, yo, if the baby's a big fan of this, fly us to North Carolina. Fly us to the Carolina. We'll we'll do the live pod there. We'll watch the room for the first time there. But yeah, I didn't look, know there were. I didn't know there were rappers there. I there's rappers there every there's like rappers mo- everywhere. Motorhomes. Motorhomes. It's beautiful. Wherever wherever alligators. you find <laughs> wherever you find life, be it in Michigan or on the bottom of the ocean floor, you will find rap. That was not meant to be a joke that this is uh rappers or black people. That was meant to be a joke, a, a white people joke, just uh, for the record. Uh, I'm just trying to make fun of my own. Anyway, this all, this all has nothing to do with our our experts, our bond expertise, of which we are continuing today talking about Thunderball. Loved the shit out of this. Like, I don't. I, mm. I'm like, you know, not my favorite Bond ever, but I'm certainly th- I'm certainly going like off the back of Goldfinger, and especially. Like we recorded the episode of Goldfinger after I'd already seen Thunderball. I'm a few ahead. I'm into Roger Moore. I haven't watched any more for a few weeks, but now that we're catching up, I'm going to get onto some lockdown bond watching systems. Yeah. Happy days, everyone. But, um, you know, I've watched, I watched this a few weeks ago now and, uh, especially coming off the back of the record two weeks ago when we talked about Goldfinger, I'm just, yeah, like what a, what a return to form. This is. Yeah. This is everything, everything, this film, like if we're talking about the, the, the bond last, you know, last bond that we talked about, the things that bond did, all the bond tropes that were in, that we saw the inception of in Goldfinger, that it was such a disappointing film overall, all of the, all of that great stuff that, that brings back this time. Fucking fantastic. I agree to an extent. Um, I think my blanket position is Thunderball is, is better than Goldfinger. Goldfinger was a low point, like a shockingly low point, because even when you you don't watch it for a while, you think, you know, it's the one everybody talks about. Surely it's got to be great, but there's just nothing there that is so exceptional. There is nothing there that I think makes the Bond films exceptional, at least in terms of examples. And Thunderball has those elements. And I think does a lot of elements definitely much better. But Thunderball is a weird mixed bag for me because for everything I really like and think this is good Bond, there's just some weird filmmaking choices and weird other acting choices and editing choices that I just think, what the fuck was going on? Oh, oh yeah. I mean, and there's there's an element that I think we have to... Yeah, there's an element that we have to address here that's like... uh, uh, 
after after a, a 2020 viewing of Goldfinger and a, a and a review. It's funny because I was just reading up some Wikipedia about Bond uh, about Thunderball. I'm going mm. into this, and so um, hear that I did some research. Probably the first time I've read the Wikipedia article for the film before we've recorded the episode. Um, but there was a, a there's a few little nice sections there of contemporary reviews and uh, what was the phrase that they used. Reflective reviews was the other phrase yeah, they used. Ret- retrospective reviews. Retrospective. Um, yeah. You know, coming from a 2020 perspective, Thunderball was a great film to follow Goldfinger because, <laughs> fuck, that was a toilet. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's, be real. Let's great be real with ourselves <laughs> you know? and everybody involved. <laughs> the Academy, um, the general podcasting community. I, I mean, this... Yeah, I, I, I look. I really loved this, and I think the thing that this film got right was I was caring in large portions of this. I was caring about the narrative in ways mm. that I don't think I had since Doctor No. Tell tell me those ways. What did you have? Tell me about those ways. So I feel like it opens. Does it open with the first? The funeral. Like, we, we've got the first, the funeral, but then we have the first, like super secret. <laughs> uh, another first. Can we, we, we had it. We had a meeting of Spectre yeah. in in um from Russia with love, yeah. but this is the first time. There's like, um, it's a, a meeting. Meeting one. It's a proper. This is a proper. You can meeting. tell like, that they is, they were gathering yeah. for some important. This is business. some serious shit because we need to have some serious nuclear weapon discussion about some serious plans big big um, move. doesn't a guy get electrocuted in this one yes in a very in a very austin powers inspiring in way chair. yeah, Look, yeah you know that right. scene yeah. let's get it out the, let's get it out the way again ken adams just doing oh, has never stopped huge. doing god's work that set of the specter meeting Woo. Wow. It's just, I've never can, been so enthralled by a lot of old white men dabbing their sweat away with handkerchiefs sitting at a desk. <laughs> but that desk was looking gorgeous. Um, that's great. I love that. We've we got some good desk action going on. We've got some very thing, good. Like, it was shocking. The moment, like, the one, the one Spectre agent who is skimming money from them gets electrocuted and then disposed of through the floor. I just saw everybody, like, almost, like, you know, like in a video game when you'll see like a whole bunch of NPCs just do like the same animation just to save space. I saw every old man doing the same forehead dab, get rid of the sweat, almost oh, in but unison. I loved, it. I loved it how it, it's like the only guy that wasn't doing it was doing the whole, no, I'm fine. I've sorted my shit out. And then like, no, no, it's you. Yeah. <laughs> we know you're taking so money. <laughs> Before that, I do want to have a, I do want to have a quick chat about the opening sequence. Because it was just off the bat. <laughs> Hang on, what? Wait, wait, we're suddenly are you suddenly watching? Is this is this Terry Jones dressed up as a woman? Like, what is going on? Suddenly, I'm in this Monty Python esque like it man dressed as a woman comic we've, relief. Thing. We've, I know made it's not comic we've made jokes. We've made jokes. We've made a lot of jokes about Sean Connery's Bond hating women, which he does, which is true. That's a fact. That's on the board. And it never became more apparent than watching him just straightforward clock, which you think is a widow or may not think, depending on how much you're actually paying attention to the, to the intro. Right. But just watching him ferociously beat that man dressed as a woman for the sake of, for the sake of espionage, like 
Because it's not even like these scenes, it's now established that these scenes are only little um, yeah. prologues, little teasers into yeah. like, yeah, we, we don't little need setups, any little setups because he's, he's, point- he's a Spectre agent that is leads to the, it's part of the meeting. Yeah, cool. But, but like, it's, it's still, it's, it's very non-descript, yeah. but it's yeah. just... Yeah, the movie just opens with this Benny Hill-esque fight. Yeah, we just need these little things that bring us back into the flavor of Bond. They're, yeah. they're entrees. They're, they're, that's, I mean, that's literally what they and are. And I do they're think an this opening this. scene. I do think this opening scene very much sets up the flavor of Thunderball. At times, very gorgeous, very well shot, but also at a lot of times, fucking manic. <laughs> like. It was. I was freaking out watching all the fast-paced editing of the fight. Like it's 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 practically like watching like the '60s version of a Bourne Ultimatum fight scene. Just watching all this yeah. super fast editing, all this really like intense, high-pitched music. It was it was it was freaking me out just a little bit, even though I knew obviously what was happening. The whole concoction was just uh, now. This is a, a movie opening. Yeah, how are you at this point going on to that? Uh, how are you feeling at the moment about the speed ramp in, um, not the ramp necessarily, everything's just being, you know, played yeah. back double, yeah. um, sped Fast. up. Like, how are you feeling at this point about this? Because this film, just as a general note I have, like, this film uses this a lot. Um, it's a lot, yeah. in the last fighting yeah. sequence on the boat. Oh, I'll, um, we'll get to that. But, yeah, like, the whole speed, I got it for that scene. I forgot, I always knew it was in that scene, but I always forget how extensively it's used in the rest of the movie. So ridiculous. So for that scene, I was um, prepared, but, yeah, for the rest of it, just, oh, boy. But generally, you know, I'm I'm getting into this. There's the little prologue, and then we have the secret room, which is then really nicely paralleled, like some way through the, some, later in the first act. Yes. In in the, the the bond, we have the MI6 yeah. meeting. All the, the agents two. are there. This is the first time that we're seeing that broad world of like yes. here's everyone. Here are all the double O's. Um, yeah. oh, and the, the grandiose and that. the grandiose like nature of both those scenes, both the Spectre meeting and the MI6 meeting, they're in such like big lavish locations. It does like help you realize what th- this case is going to be pretty big. Like this is a pretty big situation yeah. on both ends. Um, I love that the the Air Force guy in the <laughs> in the MI6 meeting, it's like, hey, here's this whole massive wall that we're gonna it's gonna open up. Um, to show us the map, and then it's like, cool. So, what do you know? Uh, we have no fucking idea where it is. <laughs> but you know, we wanted to show you that we had no fucking idea about where it was. In this, here's on this where it could map. be. It here's could be anyway here be. in the world. Yeah, so I just wanted to. Look, basically, I just did this great RAF yeah. art class. You know, home ec, and I want to show you my my nice piece. Indeed. Well, in between, <laughs> and this is where I get to one of my problems of the film. In between those two great scenes. There is unironically 30 minutes of setup. 30 minutes of non-essential setup in this in this movie, right? Well, no, it's not all non-essential. There's the, the there's the plot setting sequence involving the, the nuke heist, which is great. That whole bit of love him, love that all of the yeah. slow shots in the cockpit between yep. him and the captain the, the pilot of the um what are the planes again? 
the 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 low they they were like weird mig they were like weird mig jets no they're not migs they're, not, they're much bigger than migs man vulcans that's right yeah the, the vulcan nuclear bomber 60s very six straight out of the 60s fantastic um mm. classic you know plane yep and even um, before that there so... was the great scene of him there was the great scene of like him thinking oh, i'm gonna ask for more money because i'm really important to this job and that was a really I love tense this. scene. It's real spy shit happening here. Like this is this is a real spy film, and yeah. I feel the intrigue here is really good. Yeah, that stuff was great. What wasn't great was the preceding twenty minutes of Bond at this fucking wellness center. <laughs> and all that. All right. So so Bond for some reason is at this wellness center. Just just oh, I don't even know how to describe it. It's it's. It's just almost straight up sexual assault on this poor lady who works at the wellness center, who's like massaging him and is having quips with him. Bond finds like the, the he is he's, he's not a Spectre agent per se, but he's involved with the. This is the other thing. Like I've I've seen the film, and I remember the the the, the jigsaw puzzle pieces, but that guy. It didn't have much to do with the Spectre thing, except just the the tattoo he had on his wrist gave him. I think he was like the guy that hired. He was the guy that hired the the guy who impersonates the captain. Yeah, which I didn't realize um until this last time I watched it. The the scene of um Bond like hiding in his room from the guy with the face with the with the bandages on. Yeah, so that, that's him. Yeah, that clicked with me that time. That oh, that's the that's the other guy training to be the pilot. Didn't realize that. Yeah. Cool yeah, getting again. The face, getting that's his, right. Getting his metal gear, getting mm. his metal gear happening. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. His know. his Ishmael ass looking in the in the field hospital. <laughs> deep metal gear um, stands here, but um, super deep metal gear. I but yeah, like we just, have to do an honorary metal gear episode we like, will. <laughs> when they eventually because... make the the metal gear movie. Never. We'll but... get David Hayter to guest. <laughs> I would love it if we could get like a little audio sting at the top going uh, of David Hayter going. Uh, this is down, down. Critics are down. You know what? We could, if you gave us some sweet, if if our dear listeners want to throw us a bit of dollars um, to go towards a cameo, Twitter, his his cameo fees have dropped during the pandemic. Wow, yo, we better do some research. <laughs> we better get some. We better get that booked. But anyway, I I, I digress. the The whole subplot of the wellness center is just. Because Bond, all Bond gets the hint is that just somebody stole a somebody stole a nuke, and it was probably these people, right? Yeah. And all he learns at that meeting is just a nuke was stolen. Why not just say we think these people stole the nuke? 007, can you go look and just start the movie forty minutes in? as opposed to watching 20 minutes of Bond and this other guy mildly torture each other in wellness center equipment. <laughs> and Bond... <laughs> Bond... Where, where's the note? Bond literally extorting that woman for sex. Which was yeah, just the, the dumb... The worst shit I've ever seen. I mean, he, he, we're still... Um... This is my third note of this. You know, it's, it's the worst Bond abuse yet in this. It's just, one. Well, just like we've been joking that Sean. Oh, Connors- okay. I'll sleep with him at the wellness center to to make to, to just so he shuts up about it because I'm sick of I'm sick of him hounding my ass about it. So I'll just do. Jeez, right. 
I, I genuinely think that Sean Connery's penis brings about suffering. And I'll get to that. That's I'll get to other ex- further examples of that later. But a future parody movie poster, I think, has got its subline. There we go. <laughs> it might, it'll be this episode. Subheading. Uh, but, you know, like just generally, yeah, look, I didn't find that as problematic because I found the tension was built quite well through this opening. And, like, especially when it comes to, like, him going to the RAF base, getting on board, that <laughs> whole thing, it felt super. Actually, you know what's really funny that the, mm. the title of this film um, contains the word thunder. Mm. Um, all the shots inside the Vulcan mm. cutting between like the the crew mm. and him and the pilot, all those really long shots. I was like, man, I'm watching an episode of Thunderbirds. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> Bruh. Um, yeah, but the only thing I could think about just as I was watching that heist happen was why didn't the movie just like cut from yeah, the Spectre yeah. meeting to here? Because um, I looked at that. Because I looked at how fast that DVD was going. It's li- it's literally twenty minutes that you can cut. I mean, it wouldn't be the first Bond film where we could cut twenty minutes. No, I wish they'd do it more. I'll get to how I think they could do it again here. But intro aside, I mean, why didn't they just speed the whole thing up? <laughs> anyway, intro aside, <laughs> the the plot setup is great, and you're right. The plot of this movie, I haven't felt as engaged with since Doctor No. Like. From Russia with Love, it's fine, but they sort of don't do it as interestingly. Goldfinger is a fucking this lame all plot. All the detective work, all the all the Batman shit happening. Like, let's figure this out. Procedurally yeah. figuring things out with James Bond. Great, but, happy days. I could watch a film like I could watch ten films like this. True, but with that said, I I don't think Thunderball was as good an example of that as Doctor No was because we're constantly seeing Emilio Lago do everything. Like we're, we're constantly seeing it was great in, Th- in Dr. No, we barely see Dr. No. We barely see the plan. We're just following James Bond, you know, figuring oh, it out. That's true. Yeah. You're totally right. We yeah, see a totally lot right. of Emilio There's... Lago doing all his business. We see him hiding the nuke. We see him, you know, hang out with Domino and, and Fiona and like making sure he's hidden in Key Lago. It was just a lot of like, because I was watching and like, this is interesting, but I, I already know this mm. kind of thing. Yeah, that's true too. Which is not, which is again, um, not like it didn't ruin it for like it again, much better than um, from Russia with Love and from and and from Goldfinger. But it was still, I, I couldn't help but be like, mm, I, I. There's no other way I can reword that. I just wish we didn't see as much of Emilio Lago doing things so that we didn't have to like keep rewatching Bond figure it out himself. I think that's fair too. Um with the help yeah, of we get in, you know, we with the help of our fucking third Felix Leiter. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm almost certain yeah. at this point it's some kind of meta commentary from the production team about how boring old American men are. Like this, so I mean, the, like, sure, but that's a bit close on the nose. It's like it's not like you're you're the old country. You're the hmm. source of boring old white men. Like it feels a bit like yeah, punching like so, maybe, not not up or down. You're just like making, try, attempting to make a joke. I don't know. Like maybe, <laughs> but like again, like in in terms of like actual filmmaking continuity wise, it's so like 
Like, there's such a big age gap between. This is the first time we've had a back to back movie with two different lighters. And they just, there's, there's such a big age gap. Like, the lighter in Goldfinger was like, what, 60? Yeah, he's really old. This guy's like 30. He's got like weird, fluffed up David Lynch esque silver hair, but he's, he's like a youngish man. He's like the same age as Bond. It's. Yeah. Um, I think there was some. There's some good. There's some good fun to be had there, but I don't know if it's that deep. Like I just think it's like. Oh, I know for a fact a it's not deep. Character. I know for a fact it's not that deep, but I just <laughs> it baffles me to like how hard they're leaning into just like not giving a fuck yes. about continuity. Anyway, enough about Felix Lada. How about that beach aesthetic? Like this is again shot on film, shot on location, fucking. Gorgeous stuff. Gorgeous. Um, Did you know that they like had to buy a hydro foil boat and like combine it? Like so many practical effects in this. Did you know they used like, of course they're actual sharks, but it's not compositing. They had like a plexiglass thing in the pool. I did. I did. I had sharks and Connery in the pool. I did know about that. At the same time. I did know about that flexiglass just for, just for Sean though, (laughs) which is understandable. There was a stunt guy who didn't have it. No, yeah, they stuck some stunt guys in there with the real sharks. Because I understand, you know, it'd be a, be, a, be a pretty big bummer if you just let Sean Connery get eaten by a shark. But, yeah, you're um, right. The effects in this movie are... Uh, at one is, point. Pardon? A shark got through. There was They didn't have enough to cover, like, a whole thing. So it, like, got through a gap at one point, and he, like, got out of the pool. He was like, fuck this. I mean, like, with, like, a second to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. String filming. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. You guys can here. read about it on Wikipedia. <laughs> <clears throat> I don't, but, yeah, with that said, this is the first time I think the movies have started to go, like, full, uh, like, a big effects movie. Like, like obviously, <laughs> the other movies were not uh, short of their effects in key places, but this is definitely the first time they've gone, like, very heavy. What, like, was, the, what was the budget for Goldfinger? That's a that's 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 a Google because this was nine million, which is nine a lot million more than the one million and the two million of the first two films. Yeah, that's true. It's um and and you can and you can see it that's, in the in you this can see film where it like went. particularly. Yeah, how much more stunt work they're able to do on location is I think where a lot of that, and obviously at this point Sean Connery's fee is like a a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, yeah. but um. Yeah, like, this is the first time they're doing so much, like, screen production on, like, a lot of different things, on boats, on planes, on more cars. Um, the amount, I mean, a quarter of this film is shot underwater. And honestly, yeah. I know that I've read some, like, you know, reflective reviews, some retrospective review on this that is like, mm. yeah, a lot of these things, those scenes are slow and it's confusing to see what's happening underwater. I, I, I thought that underwater stuff was great. Like, I, it's, I, it's, it's confusing. Imagine being there and having, hmm. being part of this massive underwater fight between these two fucking yeah. underwater armies. Like, of course it's confusing. I thought it was really, I loved those bits. I agree on both sides because I think, you're, I think underwater looks enough. great. I wish more filmmakers were like as obsessed with shooting underwater as they were shooting on green screen. Cause it's like this whole, it's, it's just James Cameron. James Cameron's the only weirdo obsessed with underwater, yeah. but like it's, it's this whole other like dimension that we, that, that we as like normal human beings, we experience fairly regularly. Like we, we all go swimming. We all know what it's like to be underwater. It's like, we all know about the ocean. It's a cool space that there's not that much screen work in. 
But with that said, this is one of the fir- one of the pioneers in shooting a lot of stuff underwater. And fucking hell, I just it was it was you. I I think it's only confusing and slow purely because of the growing pains of shooting underwater. Like everyone yeah, here is. Probably. Everyone here is clearly like not experts at shooting or acting underwater. Like there's no like decade of, you know, films that have been shot underwater that can, you know, that, that people can dip to people. There are no, like on films now, there are like a whole bunch of set guys who've been like, yeah, I've been a bloody stunt coordinator for 20 years. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm bloody, this is real. On Pirates of the Caribbean and, you know, yeah. Marvel films and stuff, you know, like they got, it's fine, Yeah. But this is the first, this five. is the, there's, this is the first time that a lot of people have done all that extensive underwater work. And so my main problem is it isn't with the editing or the shooting. It's the physical, like, the acting. Everyone is physically moving so slow underwater just to, like, you know, like during the opening sequence when they're crashing the, the jet into the water, everybody's slowly taking their safety clips off and slowly pulling bombs out of areas, which is understandable and it's underwater <laughs> i love that did you notice what was written on the side of the bombs what was written on the side of the bombs <laughs> handle like eggs <laughs> uh, fair i mean <laughs> i don't want to be handling that I mean, shit like a football pretty good direction thanks that is, David that, is, Lynch. <laughs> that is very you know? funny that is very funny there was it's another example of, of something very witty i saw written somewhere but i've forgotten it i didn't take the note um but yeah, like all those oh, action yeah. sequences underwater, they're great. I, although, with that said, I do wish some of them were just trimmed a little finer. <laughs> like I think yeah, of the true. of the sixth shot in a row of like two henchmen wrestling with each other, and then somebody <laughs> at a point, and then wrestling with each other, and then seeing somebody rip somebody's air flow out. <laughs> Six different shots of that in a row was a bit much. Maybe three. Maybe three were cool, but just somebody getting shot with a harpoon gun and just going, oh, and just sort of putting their hands up and floating back. Yeah, you could do four, but you could just split it up with like interspersed with some more like being harpooned in the face shots. Like mm. that was great. Mm. <laughs> it was fucking it, that, I thought that was great. Like just that sequence. Like, yeah, that's because that's something we'd never seen at this point. And up yeah. until this point, I really, I think in, in big budget yeah. stuff. And it's like that brutality of... You know, there's no cover. Yeah, and like, it is. You just and have, the whole you have this pitched battle. Yeah. And the whole thing is an aesthetic choice, which is great. You know, like the whole, it's design, it's it's a movie about all that tropical underwater warfare. So you know, like that's the movie makes no like doesn't hide any attempt to do that. It's like a choice, and it's done. It's all executed fairly well. Just a bit. I think that's. I think that's what I'll say about goal, uh, about Thunderball as a whole. It's it's all very well-intended, executed maybe a little bit um, um, primordially, if you will. Like, it's it's walking so that other films could run. Because that's the other thing I was thinking about. I was thinking about a lot of my other favourite Bond films that have extensive underwater subplots that I think just, you know, by the point of getting further down the line, do it really well and do it really smoothly. So... I it was I'm I can give Thunderball the the leeway of doing it first so it that others could do it better. And pioneering is not often pretty. No. Exactly. Exactly. But 
you know, there were some sequences that were just that were just funny. Like watching Bond dive to try and find the location of where they're keeping the bomb, but the people on the disco volante saw him, so they were just dropping grenades into the water. <laughs> that was funny. Because they'd always cut to like the explosion going off, and then they just cut to the stuntman or Sean Connery just very far away, just turning back as if he'd seen something and then just kept swimming. Again, effective, but... I don't have much else to say about this. Uh, we've talked about this, a lot of sped-up shots. Mm. Um, which just comes just to a head in that... Though. Which comes to a head in that last scene. Fucking hell, I really thought I was losing my marbles. <laughs> just watching the, Just watching how fast... Because Sean Connery fights, like, what, three different people? And the music gets so loud and brassy and the editing, it was it was like watching a movie that was stuck on like two times speed. Which is funny because it was. I mean, it, exactly. <laughs> so much of it. Literally was. Literally. And it's, and it's, 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 you get used to it, I think. Or you, you, if you know what you're going into, you get prepared for it. But just, it, it took me a little off guard sometimes and. Maybe that's the onus on me as a viewer. I enjoyed heaps of this because of the spectacle of villain. So, mm. you know, you've got the villain's beautiful uh, house. You know, there's there's all these villain t- touch points like the torture room downstairs. Mm. It's a great lair. Like the the sharks in the fucking pool with yep. the secret trap door. Emilio like, Lago, all... he has an eye patch. Yep, he's got an eye patch and a sick boat and a hot very sick and all the things i always forget um, i always forget that in the final bit the disco volante just splits in half like they just drop the second half of the bit so every time i see it i'm like yeah, yo because it's a great practical <laughs> effect and it's like at a moment where you're like bruh they're gonna get away yeah they're gonna get away so you know great underwater sequences i think it builds tension really well bond is still a shit to women uh, but you know like a lot of key plots a lot of key points here that mm. I think make a really solid entry in Bond and something yeah. that I think, you know, it, it would have been dangerous if this didn't mm. um, hit the I nail. Mean, at, times, at the time, yeah, at the time the audience loved Goldfinger and it was fine. Yeah. But I feel like or, this is one of those films that you're like, I'm glad this happened now, yeah. otherwise this is getting yeah. tiring to watch. Yeah, well, at the, yeah, because at this point it's a it's a cultural success. It's a It's a monetary success it's it's like the like if people thought if you can't make another big hit after goldfinger then your franchise might die yeah they just cranked out another big hit and shout out to them um let's cover off our uh let's cover off our favorite our popular segments things austin powers got right blind uh, guy with an ipad <laughs> um just i think i think this is the film where i realized how well they captured the look of of these old bond movies right yeah. like just production design costume design like like um number two the um robert wagner slash rob Lowe character really just looks like a like a better looking emilio lago <laughs> And that's not just because of an eye patch, but just because, you know, like there's that scene of um, Bond and Largo and Domino playing Baccarat and there's a lovely, you know, bit of tension there. There's always a nice bit of tension whenever you see Bond playing cards with the Spectre agent. Mm. That never mm. stops being cool. Um, but yeah, I think just the aesthetic of like old Connery, 
they they nailed. Because if you look if you look at um like a lot of later Roger Moore stuff where it's not not like there's this like you're watching a lot of Roger Moore films now, yeah? Where are you up to in Roger Moore's discography filmography? Just the first one. Yeah. So even with like um even with um Live and Let Die there's would you say that there are not as many like distinct would you say the look is slightly less distinct i think how do you mean the look cuz at this point it's it's 1973 at um live and let die well i think there's such okay. a 60s futurism dominating the look of most of the connery films that i think yeah, is what 70s- austin powers really clings to yeah, there's seventies. I haven't seen enough of them yet to. Um, let's just have a quick look. So we've got "You Only Live Twice" and "Majesty's Secret Service" to go in the sixties, and then we move on to "Diamonds Are Forever," yeah. which is another Connery. But yeah, um, and then we've got then I'm so I, I've only you know I've, I've I'm a few ahead, but yeah, like I guess I guess it kind of. What was the seventies aesthetic? If the sixties is nineteen sixties futurism, yeah. was what was the seventies? Was seventies right. more insular right. and comfortable? You're right. It's true. Is that it? Because if is that yeah. it? Because that's, I think that's, that's it. all I'm. That's all I've got right now. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, like, that's what I think I'm you're right. feeling. When, I think when you're, you're right. Now that you've asked me to consider that, yeah. yeah. And the obvious and the obvious thing that we haven't mentioned is the fact that you know the Austin Powers series literally centers on two time periods: the sixties and the nineties. So. What? Yeah, does deep Austin Powers law moment? He gets frozen in '67. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, we'll 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 get there when we cover. We'll have to go watch them. We'll have to watch them. Austin Powers, but yeah, I think just this is the peak of the, yeah, the '60s like futurism is... that Austin echoes. Do you want to slowly wrap it up? Do you have anything else to add? Uh, yeah, no, I've got, I've got, we've got, we've we've got more of our popular segments to get through. Even though we yeah, haven't come true. up with a, we haven't come up with a name for our song segment. I uh, don't remember the song, this one. What was the song? Thunderball by Tom Jones. That's right. Tom Jones. Don't make me right. belt that's that right. note out again, boy. I want you to belt that note out again. Edit edit the one from last week. <laughs> I, I think this movie is a 10 off the strength of Tom Jones alone. That song is so baller. <laughs> Thunderballer, if you will. It's pretty good. It's pretty good, Thunderballer. It's a banger. It's just like so straight up. It feels like it feels like the literal musical. It's what James Bond sounds like. It's a it's brassy horns. It's bravado coming from Tom Jones. I prefer it to Goldfinger. Controversial mm. opinion, but <laughs> huge, huge calls. Big, I'd, uh, big, big calls there. It's so it's so braggadocious. It's so swinging. I love it. Ten. You? Ten. I can't... Yeah. Wow. The last thing I want to talk about, and this is set up for future future episodes that we will cover. Do you know about the writing of this movie? Yes. So let's, um, let's talk about... Huge issues. Let's talk about the big Kevin McClory-sized elephant in the room. <laughs> Do you want to give everybody the breakdown about who Kevin McClory is? You, uh, you, you can do this. I'm aware, but I'm not aware 
as much as you are to this deliver is, this is a big part this of the bullshit. thesis. This is a big part of the thesis. This is a shadow, big shadow in the thesis. So if we go back to the time Dr. No is just starting to, the rumblings are starting to happen. Like the film rights for James Bond are in the air. I think Harry Saltzman is just about to purchase them. Cubby Broccoli's about to get involved, right? Ian Fleming is still writing novels and he links up with an uh, American producer. Kevin McClory is American, I think. Don't, if I'm wrong, I think I'm so, wrong. Yeah. But he links up with this guy, Kevin McClory, and goes, We should make, you should write the story for an original Bond film, not just base it on a book. Ian Fleming goes, Well, hop on the plane. Fly out to Jamaica, come to Goldeneye, my private residence, and we'll 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 brainstorm some stuff. A lot of drinks are ingested. A lot of discussion is had. Discussion including the gen the general pretty pres- no general plot for Thunderball, right? I.e., nuke being stolen, having to find it amongst general tropical area, right? Yeah. Because so much alcohol is ingested, nobody knows who came up with what idea, who inspired what, and there's no record of who came up with it. So, with a with a very tacit gentleman's agreement in hand, Ian Fleming writes the book for Thunderball because the rights are bought by Harry Saltzman, who later teams up with Albert R. Broccoli and they make Doctor No. Kevin McClory is like, hey, champ, I have right to that story. Not Maybe not in book form, but in film form, in whatever ways I can produce, okay? Legal battles ensue. Kevin McClory gets the rights to Thunderball. Now, flash forward to 1964. The GOAT, the creator, the, the god of all of this, Ian Fleming passes away and Goldfinger is about to go into editing or is about to be released somewhere in that time frame. Evan McClory's like, well, with him gone, I can make a movie about Thunderball because I have the rights. Harry Saltzman and Albert R. Broccoli go, well, if you can't beat them, which we probably could beat him, but let's just let him join us. Let him think he's getting involved. Did you notice in the credits of this film where the producer credits are? Yeah. <clears throat> so Kevin McClory, based on a story by, based on a story in a screenplay by, based on a, this is the longest fucking credits I think I've ever seen. Produced, produced by Kevin McClory yeah. gets sole producer credits, and Harry and Cubby only get execs, which they are not yeah. happy about. But they both realize it's this, or we have to deal with somebody else diluting the bond film brand which is pretty smart like they've got such a good thing going they don't want to have anyone else tank the sort of even though you can argue that he'll he'll not make as good a film as they could or it wouldn't be the same and they would become the they would always but be we're all the... talking about this retrospectively you know and yeah. time it's it makes they made the right call yeah I even think they made the yeah, right totally. call retrospectively, right? Mm. I even think they made the right call retrospectively because even then, just having him evolved. However, the fatal flaw 
which we will come back to when the time is right, is that they give Kevin McClory the rights in order to not be involved anymore, the ability to remake Thunderball after a certain amount of time passes to be continued. TBC. And we'll find out about that in the 80s. Just, just keep knowing that the shadow of Kevin McClory will hang above this podcast for a, for a, for a while. It's been a, it, we've spoken about it briefly on this podcast, but uh, if you want to know more about this, and it's quite interesting if you're into Bond at all, go and watch the Stan. It's on Stan, all the extra shit, but yep. mainly the one is... Everything what, or Nothing. What's it, what's it called? Everything, Everything or Nothing. nothing. Yeah, That's what Eon Production stands for. So when Cubby and, um, Cubby oh, yeah. and Harry Saltzman linked up, they were going to give it Everything or Nothing. Eon Productions, but also don't watch it because like then you'll because then you'll take away all the knowledge I can give you on this podcast eventually and seem like a genius for doing so. What a genius! Watch it if um, you what, if you have no value for my fragile ego. So, love Austin Powers done right. Yep, the film, the the music, the opening song. I think I think um, we'll call that what. Let's call that segment Bond Bangers. Da, da, da. <laughs> You like that? <laughs> you yeah, put, I like that. You put the horns in, we can go on bangers. Yeah, look, didn't hate this. I'd probably nope. give this three and a half to four out of five. Have we been rating the Bonds? I don't know. What's look, our rating it's, system it's, for Bonds? It's, it's better it than again. Goldfinger. It's, better, it's much better than Goldfinger. It's a very important chapter in the evolution of Bond. And it's not the most painful thing to rewatch. Except for the wellness clinic part, but if you wanted to skip it, like, well, who's going to stop we, you? We all know how you feel about, about wellness, wellness clinics. Fuck them, man. Yeah. Fuck them. Um, Where can they find you? I'll put all... Uh, I'll put all these in the show notes, but you can find me on Twitter at Morgan C. Roberts and on Instagram at Morgan Roberts Photo. Where can the internet find you, Dom? You can find me on Instagram at uh, Dom Fitz the Champ, and you can find me on Twitter at Dom Fitz Film Boy. You can find us on Facebook at Down Down Podcast and also on Twitter at Down Down Podcast. It's the same. Amazing. Wow, right, brand synergy. I it up the other day. Holy shit. You can send us an email at our email address. Have we checked those emails at all? I, I look at it. No one sends us an email. I really, so I, I really, I've, I've, I keep thinking one day we're going to get lazy and not check the email and we will get an email from Coles saying, we want to sponsor Please. this podcast. Well, we want to sponsor- And one day we, we will be able to open this show with, this episode was brought to you by Coles. Baby, we done it. <laughs> If they ever get their walls in order. I have to check that the current apocalypse level of coals. So next time I'm at shops. The thing is, you know, we, we're not leaving the house right now. No. It's a streaming town. I'm not going out to, I'm not going multiple suburbs away just so I can find those bargain That's DVDs. true. You, you can't, not everybody can make it to Indrapilly. But if coals were listening, look, I think this is the point in time where we, we bully coals a fair bit. Listen, Coles, we're gentlemen. We're both gentlemen. We understand the the good you're doing in this current pandemic. And as much as we may bully you, we respect you. But just know that we would respect you a hell of a lot more if you bought back that fucking bargain DVD. My thoughts, exactly. Until next time, 
on the wonderful pod network known as Morgan Roberts Makes Too Many Podcasts. My name is Roberts, Morgan Roberts. And my name is Fitzgerald, Dominic Fitzgerald. (laughs) 